You're now listening to Inside the 18, presented by Aviata Sports and the LA Goalkeeping Academy with Michael Madgett and Trevor Stiles. Welcome to Inside the 18, presented by Aviata Sports and the LA Goalkeeping Academy. I'm Michael Madgett, and staring at a blank screen is Trevor Stiles. Yeah, that's that's me. I'm staring at a blank screen. Hi, Michael Madgett. How are you? I'm doing amazing, Trev. Uh, my favorite thing about this right now is that uh, usually we get to see your lovely face, but uh, because apparently your home is under construction, there's absolutely no signal coming through on your video so we're like you know what let's just cut it off so that uh we can actually have a conversation and not have it freeze up what you're trying to say is you get distracted by my good looks and uh this just makes it easier for everyone involved yeah well speaking of good looks we got a great guest with us today trev uh that's andre rawls uh of nycfc fame goalkeeper over there currently on loan at ocsc is that how i pronounce it yeah uh ocsc or orange county soccer club you can go go all out if you want it so yeah, they uh, they really went all out with that name. That's uh, that's pretty easy for everybody to remember, which is good in Orange County because honestly, a lot of those people would probably have difficulty remembering something complicated. So, <laughs> oh man, that's rough. Oh good, no, come on! Have you ever been to Orange County before? It's a really laid back place, you know. People are wearing Hurley hats. They're BMX biking. They're surfing. The it last... sounds one. It sounds wonderful. I like Orange County. I, I like Irvine. I like Newport Beach. I, I yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, and actually, that's actually the first place I started when I uh, when I first moved out to uh, Southern California. And then it went all downhill. So, speaking of starting places, uh, today's topic is starting positions, and uh, you know, to discuss that, guys, uh, let, let's get a little bit into that. You know, a, a lot of times we've been watching goalkeepers at the highest levels lately, being in position, being out of position. Everybody who's not a goalkeeper has has an opinion on that. Um, so let's let's kind of delve into this, like what. What are your feelings on starting position? How important is it? I mean, I think for me, uh, starting position is it's just right up there as one of the key things for a goalkeeper. Um, it definitely makes a goalkeeper's job easier if you have the right starting position. And, I mean, we look, we obviously look at the uh, goalkeepers out there today, you know, the big clubs, uh, Navas, De Gea, um, et cetera. Like, they're all very athletic. They're all, they have the talent. They have, they're able to pick balls out of the net, but. They're not as athletic as Andre Rawls, though. No, I mean, yeah. not too many are, but yeah. I mean, everybody can dream, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm hoping. That's, see, that's, see, right there, we just gave a sound bite that we can put up on like ESPN FC. Like, Andre <laughs> Rawls says he's more athletic than De Gea. Yeah. Let the fan mail come in, guys. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's definitely, starting position for them is important. Um, and then you look at the not so athletic guys or the more experienced, such as. You don't, you can say me. It's totally cool. I can so, say you. Okay. I was going to say Gigi Buffon, but I'll say you as well. Um, obviously, Buffon is not as athletic as some of these top guys, but he's still making the saves. Maybe not in the Real Madrid game as much, but we won't get into that. Oh, it but- starts. <laughs> <laughs> There's where it starts. There's where it starts. No, but I mean, if you, as a goalkeeper, when you have the right position, it's it's really all about angles. So trying to find the right spot to cut off as much as the goal and limit the, as much the forward can see of the goal. I, I completely agree with you, Andre, and I think, Trevor, you're probably on, on the same point. You know, one, one, one issue that I've always seen in regards to starting position is it starts at the youth level. And uh, we were talking a little bit about your youth career when you were a kid, being a little spastic and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I feel that it's not stressed enough angle play and where you start your, your, your positioning for your set. Uh, as a, a youth goalkeeper in this country, I, I've noticed that when I've watched, you know, youth academies in, in Europe and, and other places, they really stress that at the younger ages. And, uh, and here I feel there's so much, so much emphasis on tech, 
geek when it comes to ball handling and you know footwork and all of that but but when it comes to where they actually start their position you know it's 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 not really taken into place and i think that's just so 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 important especially as a young keeper to know like hey even if i'm not the greatest athlete in the world even if i don't know how to catch a ball if i'm in the right position i've already done half the battle yeah i totally agree with that um i mean it's it's it breaks it down it's really it's what puts the not so athletic goalkeepers up there on the map, um, like Michael Madrid. Yes, is, exactly. Is what he's trying exactly. To say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> so, that whole time I thought we had lost Trevor, and then all of a sudden he pipes in with just I, an insult. I was just I taking it. on. So, so Mike, I mean, not to be the political correct person here, but I don't think you can say the word spastic anymore. I think that went out when you and I turned over thirty, um, <laughs> which was quite some time ago. So, so is is it like type two muscle fiber challenge? To like, how does that I, work? I, I think it's just called like the wacky inflatable arm kid. You okay, know, the arm okay. just kind of flail everywhere and do everything. Uh, I, I think what it comes down for me is we talked about this so many times on this show is that North American kids, or let's okay, let's let's rephrase that, American and Canadian kids don't watch as much proper football as South American, as kids from Mexico or in Europe or many places around the world. So when you're watching as a young kid and you're watching as a goalkeeper, you are unconsciously looking to see where that keeper is, when that three ball is coming through, where are they? When that ball is being cut back, when the header is going down, when the cross is coming in, they drop off to the line, they come and collect. You don't realize that, but you were watching them learn where they are position-wise. By not watching that, all of a sudden you're 12, 13, you don't have that ingrained in your mind, even though you don't realize you have it, and you're starting to learn it. But half the time, no coach is telling you that. I know so many goalkeepers I've got at 14, 15, who they go, I've never actually gone over a starting position. I never knew where to be when the ball went through in a breakaway or when the ball was swung back or on this angle here. And I think, you know, angled shot stopping is a little more easier to pick up. But for me, it's really that, you know, the ball's 45 yards out. It's, you know, 10 yards off the side. Where are you? Are you set for a cross? Are you set to come off your line? I think that's such a big part of that. And as Rawl said, the, and you said, the better you are in possession, the better and quicker you get into position, the easier the save is going to be. And if you aren't that most athletic, agile keeper, you still have a much better, much better chance getting set in position, ready to make a save compared to being caught out. I, I love what you just said in regards to breakaways and through balls because you know that that's such a huge part of the game is reading the game in that in that regard. And if your starting position is off on that, I don't care how fast you are, I don't care how long you are, it's going to be much more difficult for you. And, and chances are you might make a, a a routine save not savable. So I think that really really needs to be stressed. Now, guys, how do you think we can tell that if a keeper is out of position? You know, like you were talking about how kids learn by watching. So like. What are some good ways, at least like Rawls, like that if you've been able to recognize in video that, that a keeper's out of position? Yeah. Um, so for me personally, uh, and I've worked with my goalkeeper coaches um, through the past couple of years on this, uh, finding the right spot f- for me with my length and athleticism is I'll usually, for my near post, if it's kind of an angled ball, like top of the 18 or something like that, I'll usually, if I were to lay down, not dive or anything, just lay down for my spot my bottom hand should be about like probably like a hand's length off the post. Um, and that's, that's surpassing the post, uh, to my near and for far post, I should be covering about maybe like within like a half a hand's length of the far post. And that's kind of basically how I look at film from, for myself. Um, like I see a shot, I freeze it and I'm like, okay, if I were to lay down, Am I in a good spot and stuff like that, like whatnot. Um, 
for the youth out there, like trying to pick the right spot, obviously the higher you are, the more exposed to like a dink or a chip shot you are, the lower you are. Like a, to, like a Zlatan? Like a Zlatan, Zlatan special? I mean, you just got to applaud to that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're, we're, we're going you... to get back into that, into that <laughs> later on in the podcast. I mean, uh, you know, man, talk about – we were talking about this a, co- a couple of weeks ago with uh, Alexis Guerreros, you know, from the Cooligans, who you guys are familiar with up, up in NYCFC. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the fans' perspective on goalkeeping, it just I've heard so many people like, oh, Tyler Miller, oh, my God. I'm like, dude, you've never been in that position before. You have no idea what that's like reacting. Yeah. You know. But um, like going back to that, we're talking starting position. It's yeah. nine out of ten, nine and a half out of ten times, nobody's shooting that ball. There's only two people that I've ever seen shoot that ball. Zlatan and David Villa. And then with those two, but every other play, like a player is settling that and they might even be looking for the through ball. So your starting position has to be actually a little bit higher, maybe even ready to cut off that through ball. Or like we, like uh, Trevor was saying, like get ready for that one-on-one, get ready for that breakaway. So you can't be... You can't be sitting back on your line for something like that because you're already taking yourself out of the play. And I mean, what's worse, getting getting Zlatan basically, or sitting back on your line, oh, yeah. letting him pass it, like and a yeah. forward running in twenty yards out when you could have I mean, done a, something. A ball about lumped it. in because you've allowed too much space inside is embarrassing as a goalkeeper because exactly then you basically just told your back line oh yeah i I don't know my distance between you between you and i and that's another thing too that a lot of kids is they don't understand their starting position between their back line and themselves and that's Mm -hmm. because coaches don't work with them on that so mike here's my thing for you when do you start your starting position so obviously let's say your team has a corner you're right in the uh, the attacking zone you're sitting there top of your 18 maybe you're 25 maybe you're 35 yards out being that person Maybe you're the person that goes to have to be, you know, a your lawyer, Emmanuel lawyer. Okay, cool. <laughs> whatever it is. At what point, though, when the ball comes across the half or there, do you start focusing on could that ball be hit over top? Could that ball be hit through? Could that ball be hit wide? When do you start moving? When do you actually start engaging the play from being the keeper with lack of a term? We've seen so many players with their hands on their hips, posing for you know whatever magazine you want to call it to, when they start dropping in, actually trying to read the play of what might happen. When does that start? Because for me, that's one of the biggest starting points is the ball's put over half, you start dropping in, and now you're kind of gauging your lines, right, of am I dropping towards the six? Is it going to be a through ball? Is it going to be swung out wide? Is it coming to the middle? And you start actually trying to think of what's going to happen next. I mean, personally for me, because... because you're five foot six, because, you get chipped all the time? Yeah, because of my size. Five foot eight and a quarter, Trev. Let's... let's, let's... <laughs> Let's give the full uh, full extent. Yeah. That's what yeah, the you, doctor you, you says. You your heels. <laughs> hey, my, my, my bio said I was 5'11", so. Oh, God, just lie spewing. All right, go on, keep going. That's cool. I just wanted to get recruited into college. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so for me personally, and I don't know, Rawls, how you feel about this, but the second that I see the play break in which we've lost the ball, they have we have the ball, they have the ball. So the second there's either a, a distance clearance played where they've retained possession, that's when I start moving back and dropping back and getting into my starting position mm-hmm. to be ready to react then obviously if we win the ball back then i it's that whole accordion shape for me you know it's you're the back and forth and back and forth movement so that personally for me it's when i see the play break up what about what about you yeah um i think that's probably about a good good spot for me as well um i mean obviously a lot of goalkeeping is anticipation as well. So through experiences, you're going to kind of start to see similar plays, like see how things fold out and whatnot. Um, But yeah, so like for Trevor's example, if it was our corner, um, I mean, I'm probably 
for me personally standing maybe about 30 between 30 and 40 yards up um and as that ball turns over i'm kind of starting to retreat back a little bit but also trying to stay on my front foot because you never know like i said when that ball is going to get played through played over the top so you're you're starting through ball position i'm always okay. Okay. yeah so rather than like it, it works out in a youth age like with the hands on your hips kind of just looking around and stuff like that but the flat flat-footed and flat-footed but yeah, heels on the ground my advice try and break out of that as early as you can try and have your whatever your dominant foot like your front foot ready to sprint at any point in time because if you train yourself to do that you'll train yourself to focus more be more engaged in the game and i mean soccer is a split second it's a split second game so and especially in goalie like you only really have half seconds to react so anytime you can kind of really like help yourself gain that advantage is a good thing. I, I want all the kids out there who are listening to this to, to hear that because, you know, this is a goalkeeper playing at a very high level. And for me personally, whenever I'm scouting youth keepers, anytime I see a goalkeeper that's active in regards to their positioning and their movement and they're still engaged and they're engaged in the game, it's a huge, huge, huge positive for me. And it makes me say, oh, this guy's a keeper Absolutely. or this girl's a keeper, you know? Uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to go there. Are you kidding me? No, that's so, that's no, so that's, bad. That's, that's real bad. <laughs> <laughs> that is that will not be on the World Cup Comedy Tour with Total Soccer Show and the Cooligans. Uh, so don't expect that but kind of material. Right, there's so many keepers you see, and the comment is, look, if a scout's watching you and you, they're only coming to one game, do you want them to look at you and you're not engaged? You're staring with your hands on your hip. This might be the one shot they have. Because it's that moment, as, as Rawl said, you have half a second and sometimes maybe even less than that and it's about making decisions so if it's that whole point of if you can be ready engage for 90 minutes plus you have a much better chance because we all know those two or three minutes where you space out and you're thinking about you know the taxes you owe or you know are you gonna get food poisoning from that dodgy place you ate like the gas station restaurant you love so much you know that three ball might come through and you might not be off your line in time and the ball goes in the back of the net it really is can you stay focused as we're all said in your front foot and uh, most importantly don't eat that dodgy gas station place you eat at I uh I used to eat gas station sushi. That was a that was a poor decision on my part. It was Taco Bell for me. Oh, dude, I, Yo, I could not do that to my, to my body. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong. You with have Taco, Taco Bell. Bell in Canada? What? Really? No, no, no. Down in Santa Monica, there used to be the one that was attached to the gas station. Get gas, drive through behind, get Taco Bell, continue on with your day. That sounds like the worst combination. And then get more <laughs> gas, right? Is uh, that how it works? <laughs> It's a two for one, bro. It's a two, two for, for one. Two for one on gas. Speaking of speaking of two for one, this is a great segue. How do we readjust during gameplay our starting position? Because that that's a that's a, a thing that I also see a lot of times. It's very difficult for a lot of kids to figure out. Is they'll they'll figure out the first place to start, and then the play will go in a completely different direction than the way that they anticipated, and they don't know how to adjust. Mm-hmm. So, kind of, what's your advice in in, in regards to that? Uh, so I mean, my fluid advice, movement, basically. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, kind of just like thinking about like all of this, I would say like when you're talking true starting position, your only real starting position is at the kickoff because you should be constantly moving whenever the ball is moving. There should there should really be no time where you're stagnant, where you're just stationary, just kind of watching the ball. You always want to be, like I said, on the front foot, um, almost trying to like, if there's a pass from left to right, you want to try and I guess you can say, like, beat the ball to the man. Even when the ball's not even close to you, you just want to keep moving with the ball. That's the best way to start off. From there, depending on, obviously, there's so many situations, like what the 
what the back line looks like in front of you, what like kind of gets the how much if there's their pressure on the ball and such like that. Um, that those ones really dictate like your depth, how how close you are to your goal or how far out you can go. Um, but I mean, I guess I guess my answer to that would be you should always be moving. You should always kind of like pick a. So for me, I guess I would pick. I say pick lines. Like if you're looking at the 18, you have the semicircle right at the top of the 18. I use like where the the box and the semicircle meet as kind of my boundaries for most of the time. Um, if the ball is on the left side, then I'll probably not go too much further or like right on line with the edge of the semicircle. Um, and then depth obviously depends on what's going on. But my advice is just keep moving, keep moving with the ball. Don't get dragged out too far. Like pick a spot on the 18, on the six, whatever it is, like pick maybe like a little dirt patch that's on in the box. Like just make kind of boundaries for yourself. And then from there, like just kind of have, have confidence in where you set. I, I love what you said in regards to the real only true starting position is at kickoff. Because if kids hear that and take that really by heart, they'll stay engaged in the game. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think of every single play as a different stop start, then you're going to be out of the game at some point, you know? Yeah. So I think that's, that's really good. Um, and we were talking a little bit about your physical, you know, physical traits that you have specifically. So what physical and tactical traits do you think we need to take into consideration when discussing a goalkeeper starting position, obviously my position and your position may be different based on yeah. our strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think for, I'd say probably the, the biggest or the most important to consider would be your height. And the second most to, second most considerable would be like your athleticism. How athletic are you? Because obviously if you're more athletic, you'll be able to save yourself from bad starting positions. And I know from experience, like, that that's how I survived through college and all the way through. But as soon as I got to the pros, like, I, I was confident. I was like, yes, I just got drafted. This is awesome. Like, my first meeting, basically, with my goalkeeper coach was, you're really athletic, but your technique is crap. So <laughs> this is going to be a good preseason for you. It's going to be, it's going to suck. You're going to hate me, but you're going to thank me. And I mean, I hate to say it, but he was right. Like I thank See, him now. Just Mike, with... Mike, Mike got the opposite one. Mike got, man, you are so technical. <laughs> God, you're athletic. I literally got, I literally got the same. I, like literally I got, I, I, okay, I'll, I'll tell you this one. There was a USL team that I was training with and the guy comes up to me afterwards and he goes, Hey, he's like, so, uh, I uh I really love you seem to really be a student of the game. Um I would love for you to work with the goalkeepers. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, aren't, aren't I one of the goalkeepers? <laughs> like how does this work? <laughs> so you want me to train the guys behind me to like, you know, in case I'm hurt, like, no, no, we want to train like if you can train those guys, like so that they can be just as solid as you, <laughs> that would be awesome. Because then you could sit on a bench well, and like clap. More athletic and yeah. taller, yeah. they can do better. Yeah. No, my, that's, that's fair. My sister always, uh, always, always brings this one up. Uh, years ago, she was dating this guy, and uh, they were running late to the game, and uh, the guy goes, "Oh well, we're just going to miss warmups." And then my sister goes, "No, you have to be there for warmups. That's when my brother plays." <laughs> Can I say, oh, yeah, God, I, I got one. Unfortunately, so I got one like that, too, because my dad's the exact same way. <laughs> like, when I'm second string or when I'm third string, he's like, well, I'll at least get there to watch it warm up. <laughs> and then after that, I'll change channel. I'm like, God, I love you, too, man. Thanks oh, that's so hilarious. Uh, 
So sp- speaking of your dad and your upbringing, Andre, uh, let's yeah. uh, let's kind of get into you a little bit. Um, yeah. We were talking about uh, an old goalkeeper coach of yours, Nate Failing, who we both know up in the NorCal area. Um, he was one of your first goalkeeper coaches. And yeah. so is, is, is that when you first got involved in the game, when you were around 10 years old or so in the uh, position? Yeah. I mean, so 10 years old is about the time that I started playing goalie. Um, I mean, I was... <laughs> I I am athletic. I will just start off saying that. So growing up, I played all the sports. I played baseball, basketball, soccer. Um, in high school, I did track and field. Uh, I mean, if it if it was sports, if it had competition, I was there. Um, and so like I started, I think I started playing soccer when I was probably about five years old. But um, obviously, like at, at the younger levels, you don't have like the full team, like full competitiveness, like all of that stuff. Um, and then, like I said, about 10 years old is when I kind of finally looked at goalie and I was like, I don't have to run. I get to jump around. Like you said, I'm a spaz. I was a spaz back then. So that's when it, <laughs> it was called spaz then. But it's like, I can just spaz out in the back and then people cheer for me if I do good. Yeah, let's try that out. Why not? Let's see what happens. I love, I love how you opened that up with first off, I'm really athletic. Which was like my favorite. Like my favorite. You got you got to set the base. You got to yeah. set the you background. Even you uh, you you gotta, yeah, exactly. Um, no, and, and that's so typical of like an athletic kid. It's just being like, oh man, there's a position where I don't have to put a lot of effort in, but like I have the ability. Yeah, I'll do that. That sounds yeah. great. <laughs> So, um, so is that why you gravitated towards the position is because kind of the glory or, or, or why? No, I gravitated because I, I mean, I'm an adrenaline junkie. Okay. I mean, there's goalkeepers will know there's so much pressure on you. Like anytime anybody else on the field can make a mistake, but when it comes to you, you can't make a mistake. Otherwise you have the entire team pointing at you. So, I mean, it just all boils down to, like, that half second, that pressure situation. Like, am I going to save this? Like, what's going to happen? And I love that feeling. I mean, there's that pressure, and especially when you save it, oh, it's it's such a boost after that. Like, you oh, just yeah. feel awesome. It's like when shootouts, Mike. Talking about shootouts, I love shootouts. I love the idea of shootouts. You can be a hero. There's no pressure on you. But at the same time, it's all on your shoulders. It, it is a true adrenaline ride. It's wonderful in every way. I love how you're talking to it uh, to me as if like I've never done it before. Like, no, you know, no. Honestly, if ever you ever get in a game, last, last you'll see what we, it's last, like. Last time we talked, you said you didn't like shootouts. I don't. Shootouts. I don't. I don't care for shootouts. Um, although I do love making PK saves. Mm-hmm. Um, the best PK save I ever made was in a scrimmage uh, against a national team player, and uh, yeah, it was pretty big time. You uh, both U8 and AYSO. <laughs> he was a U17 residency player. Okay, let's not <laughs> let's not go crazy. Um, and I was 30 at the time. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Damn near 45. And, uh, um, but, uh, so you were talking about being athletic and stuff. So at what, what point did you decide, you know what, this is, this is for me and I'm just going to focus solely on, on, on playing soccer. And- or, or Rawls, here's a question for you. Or yeah. did someone come to you and say, this is kind of where you should be. Did someone say, Hey, by the way, you do this very well. Have you considered making this a full-time thing? Um, actually, so that, to answer that question, no, that never really happened. Um, I mean, my early years of playing goalie, it was it was a struggle because I was like I was actually on the bench because I mean some of us may know like the club soccer politics going on, like all that. No, fun that stuff. never happened. Never happened, right? No, <laughs> no. But I mean, it was, everybody uh, plays based on their ability level and worth <laughs> and financial and, donations and net value. <laughs> no, so I mean, 
Yeah, like I had a coach that always kept trying to either get me to play like outside back or something like that. But at that time, I had already committed. I was like, no, I want to be a goalie. I want to play this position. Um, so, I mean, like, obviously, it was a struggle from the beginning. So I didn't really have, I guess you can say, like, you, you got the talent to make this a full-time thing. Um, I guess maybe up until maybe about high school was probably about the time that somebody finally came to me and... I mean, they basically just said that you have, you have a talent that you could, you could go to school, like you could get a scholarship, you could, you could get into a good school with this skill. And then at that point I was like, all right, let's give it a go. Let's see what I can get. Um, so how was that transition from, from the youth game to the college game for you? Was it easy or was it difficult? It was, um, it was difficult for the first year. That first year was difficult. Um, Obviously, like the speed of play, the pace, like the shots were much more accurate. Like, couldn't put much, your hands on your hips. All that couldn't stuff. put your hands on your hips. I was I wasn't doing that in high school. Okay, maybe I was, but no, high school was a tough time. We had the girls, in, <laughs> girls in the stands. That was that was that was really that was a good mentality training. Just focus on the field, not stands. Yeah, that, that's something people people don't take into account when they talk about uh, high school versus development academy. Is you know, girls don't come out to development academy. <laughs> That's a good way to. That's a good campaign to bring kids back to the high school game. <laughs> I'm sure the CIF would really love that. Like, and especially in today's day and age, that would just be misconstrued completely. If they need a head of marketing, let me know. Yeah. I, think should, I think you should pitch it. I like it. Um, so, so you, so you were playing in college. You were playing at St. Mary's, uh, having a pretty decent career there. Yeah. At what point did you kind of go? Oh, you know, I think I might be able to play at the next level. Like, this might be doable. Um. So I, one of my biggest things is I preach mentality. Um, I preach goal setting and never kind of giving up on those goals. And I, I guess I was like one of those, call it cliche, but it's true. Like I was one that when I was five years old, when I was 10 years old, I was like, I want to be a professional athlete when I grow up. Cause this is the most fun. They're paying you to do this. So it's like, why not do yeah. like, give it a go. And like, as soon as I got to college, I mean, I, I, I was like, I don't want to work behind a desk. I, I really want to hold that off as long as I can. So, I mean, I went into every day, every year, every game, every training, just saying like, I got to be the best I can be because like we said before, you never know who's in the stands. You never know like who's going to be there, like word of mouth. Like, I mean, obviously today we live in such a like technological world that like you can get on social media easily, but I mean, even still, just word of mouth from like something like two people that went to school together might be talking about you. So it's like just kind of from day one, I was like, I really want to want to be a pro. And I'll be honest, like there are times during my time at, at uh, St. Mary's that I was like, OK, it's looking pretty stretched right now. It's like, I mean, obviously, we're a small school. I'm not getting like not getting my name out there. I'm not getting the phone calls that I thought I would be getting and stuff like that. So I mean, why St. Mary's? How, how did St. Mary's come about? Were, were there other schools involved? Was it? Yeah. So St. Mary's actually was the only one that gave me the opportunity, and that opportunity was a walk-on opportunity. So I mean, even out of high school. What? Yeah. Wow. Fun fact for you. Yeah, I wasn't recruited. I mean, I was only semi-recruited by uh, by St. Mary's, and wow. I mean, yeah, it's just a luck. From walk-on to USL to 
playing against David Villa at training. Yeah. What a career. So let's let's talk a little bit about that that transition from 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 St. Mary's then you you you, you moved into the USL and then mm-hmm. you ended up with this amazing opportunity to, to to get into the NYCFC system and now you're you're training every day with 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 world superstars. Yeah. Uh, what what was that like? <laughs> it's real. Honestly, yeah. if I could put it in one word, I would use that. But um no, I mean it was so like you said like before even before the USL I spent three months with the team. I spent three months with the NYC in preseason. So, okay. I mean, that was that was really trial by fire right there. Um, and when I said that the transition from, like, the high school club game to the college game was crazy, this was ten times crazier. I mean, just the amount of skill that even – not even just David Villa, but, like, even, like, kind of – I hate to say it to, about them, but, like, kind of the no-name guys that were on the team, like, the less-known guys, like, even their quality was just fantastic. I mean, it's, like – It's okay. You didn't name them. So I didn't sorry. name them, but I, na- <laughs> I named the group. <laughs> you know who you were. But, um, no, I mean, it's, like – I mean, it's crazy just how how technical everybody is at that level, but it's, like, you can't – obviously, when you're there, you can't back down. You can't you can't let that scare you. You can't – by any means, you got you to gotta keep saying, like – for me, I was just like, okay, my goal was to, my goal was to make it to be, to become a professional athlete. Okay. I made it to, made it to that step, but now I got to hold on to it kind of thing. And and now I love what you're doing because you've, you've been there for a couple of years and you said, you know what, the only way that I'm going to keep improving is I need to get game time now. Exactly. And so you, you made that, that difficult decision to go, you know what, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to go play in the USL yeah. and get games mm-hmm. so that I'm sharp for when I get called back up. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, you know, obviously that's a, that's a difficult decision for a lot of people to make because it's a transition moving across the coast. Absolutely. Um, to a new location, new city. You don't know how it's going to work out in a loan move. Um, but, but how does that playing time in the USL keep you sharp and ready that you wouldn't be getting if you were training, you know, day in and day out with just with the first team? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, just going back to what you said, it's, it is a hard decision, but you gotta, you really gotta put your career first. You gotta, I mean, like, obviously I'm, I'm leaving behind friends. I'm leave. I've, I've made good friends with New York and obviously I, ho- I plan to see them again, but it's like, just like I, I set up a life in New York and then, but like in the back of my mind, I was like, we got to keep moving. We got to keep going. And like the, we were able to find this opportunity and I jumped on it and I was like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta go for it. Um, but I mean, getting to what you're saying, like you can do, you can only do so much in training. Um, but you actually have to face the real thing at some point. Um, and games is the only way to really see different situations, see it from like, basically see it with that pressure again, see it like when things are moving fast and everything. Um, game experience is game experience, Game experience is game experience. Yeah. I mean, it's really just, just that end of story. I think I, I think you you wrapped it up great. Uh, when you're a when you're a backup, game experience is huge. If you can get that opportunity, go out on loan, get get the games and 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 be ready because uh, sometimes you will be, get called into the fire. Speaking of that, I kind of want to move into the, the into the uh, this past week in goalkeeping and uh, go over the pond and uh, let's discuss the EPL a little bit, guys. Uh, big uh, matchup this weekend uh, between uh, Willie Caballero and Hugo Lloris in the EPL. Uh, I know Trev, you're a big Spurs Spurs supporter, so uh, so this game was definitely <laughs> oh, on no. for you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, let, let's let's break down each each the performances between the two keepers, guys. What what do you think? 
I love Hugo Lloris. Well, I know you do. You talk about him every uh, every podcast. So let's let's let's, okay. let's get a little more specific. All right, uh, let me start off here, Trev, by saying that I'm a Chelsea fan. So wow, this is going to be tough. But with that said, I will say I also love Hugo Lloris. He is he's got the athleticism and he's got the intelligence in the position. Um, I mean, we're talking positioning today. Like just just watch YouTube clips of him. Like watch saves that he makes. Yes, he's got the athleticism, but I mean, if he's in a bad, whenever he's in a bad position, those are goals. He's always like he's always quick to find the right spot. He's always quick to readjust, and he's always ready to go. If there's a ball in behind, he's if there's a ball in behind and he's not going to get there, he's at least stealing a couple yards. He's moving up a couple yards to make that goal that much smaller for the forward to try and aim at. And then at that point, he just lets his athleticism step in. Make some world class saves. Okay, yeah, but, but, his his goalkeeping IQ is off the charts in my mind. Okay, no, and that's, I, I, that's, I, I, that's, I, that's what's allowed him to get him where he is. I love the Hugo Lloris fan club here. It's it's fantastic because <laughs> I'm literally about to break it down, and it's like been watching the tape uh, back and forth uh, between and on the Marauder goal that mm-hmm. happened uh, this weekend, and uh, we all know what happened. He came out for that. He came out for that cross. He yeah. mistimed it and uh, simple header into the, into the goal. Um, starting position was fine. Uh, it was the approach coming in. Yeah, just I think he lost. I think he lost it in the flight during uh during all the the craziness. So, what do you guys think? Because he completely was probably about two feet off. Yeah. Um. I mean, for me personally, those are some of the toughest ones to go into, especially when there's traffic around the box. Um. You, in your head, you kind of know. I guess you kind of plan on like taking a hit in some way, whether it's a shoulder check or you have to actually like muscle through somebody to get to the ball. Um. Like you said, his starting position was good. He, it's just like, I guess you can say like the angle, the angle of attack that he took. So he kind of took like a straight line at it. Whereas maybe I think what I would have done would be like, just take a step back, almost kind of round it, like get a little more time to judge that ball. Um, obviously not taking away any credit from the ball itself. I mean, that was, a no, it was a, di- it was a direct ball. And I think that's the thing that's lost on a lot of people that are very upset with him is that that was a direct ball. It was not a looped ball. Yeah. Uh, so for you to make the, the C run or the, 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 the W, whatever, what kind of letter you want to use for that. I like the J run. turn, Mike. I'm a big fan of the J. Okay. Turn. So the J run. Um, so to, to do that, um, the pace of the ball may have been such that you wouldn't have been able to get get into that ball at, at that point. Right. At that point, so that it's a, it was not an easy ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know that that being said, maybe if he had been a little bit a little bit of a lateral step to the to the right slightly, but been able to get one hand to the ball. I don't know. I've never been in that position before. I've never played in the English Premier League. Yeah. I think they would also uh, <laughs> not take well for me being in that situation. They'd be like, "Yeah, well, no. you just hold your line and hope that you can deflect that over the bar. Why don't you just do that?" But that's what I would say too. I mean, for for goalkeepers, if you're, my advice is if you're going to come out and get the ball, number one, you have to be 100% sure you can get something on the ball, mm-hmm. and number two, you get the ball. Yeah, because if he held line, he tips that over. Exactly. I mean, it's like if it's if it's questionable because we keep going back to like you got a half second to make a decision. If you're questioning it for that half second. Don't go. I mean, myself, per, my per, personally, I would have did would have done was drop step, shuffle, shuffle, yep. position for the header. Mm-hmm. That's and what that's, I would have done. That's what I like doing as well because I really like to rely on my athleticism in those situations rather than 
getting stretched out, trying to run through traffic and cause like I'm, I'm tall, but like, especially now, like with major leagues and even USL, it's like, there are some tall guys out there as yeah. well. So it's like, if you're not a hundred percent sure, just step back, like keep your line, shuffle with it. Like you said, and then just make sure you also don't follow the ball as it's in the air, kind of like see where the ball is going and basically like kind of pick out which forward is going to head it. And so you can kind of set yourself early on that and rather than kind of, I guess, reacting late to it yeah. would, would be my advice. Yeah. My, uh, now, now turning over, over to Caballero, he just got signed by Chelsea, mm-hmm. uh, as a backup and immediately got put into the game, yeah. which was pretty incredible. Uh, I thought the performance was fine. I think the Ericsson goal, mm-hmm. uh, I don't. I. I don't. I, I think it just the way it rose and then dropped. I don't think anyone would have stopped that. To be honest with you, I don't Erickson think that's is magic. <laughs> okay. of, co- of course, it's absolute is. magic. <laughs> he leaves Spurs, he'll be less magic, but he's right now magic. I mean, that ball just. Even when Bad. you watch the video, yeah. I go, oh, it's it's oh, it's going over. Oh, wait, it dropped. How did that happen? Wait, that's impossible. Was yeah. it like an Eevee out of this world where she used to like freeze time by like putting her fingers together and then just <laughs> move the ball into the goal? Because honestly, I can't find it. It literally disappears and then goes in. Um, so I don't think he's at fault to that. What I would say is the final goal where he comes out on the ball goes into the spread shape, doesn't win the ball. It's a bad shape. Mm-hmm. Because of that, he's in a small shape, and then they're able to get the ball around him. I think he's more at fault in that goal, myself personally. Yeah. You know? Um, so getting back to uh, to starting positions like we were just talking about, I, I want to move back here into MLS, and let's talk about the, the big El Trafico. What? What'd you say? Argentina. What'd you say about Argentina. Who's gonna play? World oh, Cup. oh, World Cup! Or, oh playing? man, Romero or uh, Romero or um, Caballero? It's tough. It's yeah. tough. It's tough. It's I mean, tough. I mean, neither, neither one of them start. No, I know. <laughs> yeah. But Arge- and, Ar- and Argentina <laughs> seems to be a team where they don't seem to care whether their national team keeper, the starting number one, is getting games because they yeah. they've gone with Romero for years and he never played. So, you know, uh, I'm thinking it's gonna be Romero. Myself personally, uh, second that probably just out of experience. Mm-hmm. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that he's necessarily my my choice, but dude, honestly, I could probably play in the back in goal for for Argentina and they'd be fine. I mean, it's 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 pretty solid back there. <laughs> I think I think Argentina's only worry or not worry, but like the only thing on their mind is how are we going to get the ball to Messi and how are we going to keep the ball with Messi and how is he going to score <laughs> every goal that we need him to score. Yeah, their their focus. Yeah, their focus is what he does now. Yeah, no, it's just it's an interesting question because you have a country that is a big time country that truly doesn't have a number one goalkeeper playing number one in a league somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and you, that, you don't find that anymore. So you have two or three guys who are starters fighting for a spot. That's true. You know, you no, I mean, you even even seen the United States. United States, you know, uh, we we went with a keeper that's getting game time in form over Bill Hamid. You know, Zach Steffen started. Mm-hmm against paraguay and no. uh i mean that's a whole other story um but speaking of americans though uh we're, we're going to talk about the el trafico because uh everybody's eyes were on it this weekend and uh two keepers that were have been doing pretty decent lately uh tyler miller and david bingham went against each other um first off t- talking about tyler miller he's been playing well for lafc uh, this lot of time goal i think we all agree starting position was fine mm-hmm. you know maybe he could have been slightly over 
Uh, maybe he was a slightly over to the right. Maybe he should have been a little bit more in position behind the ball line, but just an incredible goal. Um, what a lot of people aren't, haven't been bringing up is David Bingham in his near post performance um, because I, I, I'm, I'm a little questioning about that. You've talked about your near post mm-hmm. positioning and always wanting to be able to have one hand be able to fully cover the near post. Yeah. Um, that shot should not have happened. That at at the end, the one I'm talking about that hit the post yeah. uh, for LAFC. I think he was slightly over. Uh, Trev, do you agree? Uh, I mean, from what I saw, you could see that it was being sold as a little bender back post. Like he was going to kind of you know open his hips, little curler back post. And then last minute, you can see him get cheeky and close his hips and come across his body. And it looked like Bingham was just going with that to his left. Like he was going to go left. Like he was going to be a little curler. And he just kind of got caught. And then all of a sudden, hips closed. Uh, who who hit it again? Uh, I think it was Orania. Was it possibly Orania? Yeah, you could, you could just see him last second close his hips and do that little curl and drive it front post, and he got caught. And at the end of the day, it hit the post, and you're fine. Um, but that but, uh, that changes the whole whole subtext of that entire game and the history and the lore of it. If if, if that goes in, oh, absolutely, it, it, it changes everything. I mean, and like we said with with Miller, I think Miller's been playing great. I think Ty's done very well to get that spot and, and have it there. I think Zlatan was just looking to be Zlatan and. Uh, and that's why he is who he is. But I think Bingham in the game wasn't, um, I don't know if it was nerves or what, once again, much better keeper than I ever was. But uh, I, I didn't see Bingham as he normally is, a little more consistent, a little more um, just confident in the back. He, he seemed just a little a little shaken a little bit. And, and just the last thing I want to bring up on Bingham, and I'm not I'm not trying to just, just harp on Bingham completely, but the the – the Vela goal, the first goal that was scored, uh, very, very bizarre situation because it looks like he might have lost lost it for a second over the players. And when, when he refound it, he, but he pushed off and he was there, but he didn't get his top hand over. And if he'd gotten his top hand over, he would have made that save, um, which was a, a, a little a little bizarre. I mean, still credit to Carlos Vela. That's still a, a really nice goal. Um you know, but but these are the things that we as as goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaches, you know, nitpick and see, and and, and we can learn from from watching, you know, happen at these at these levels. So, um, you know, spe- I, I think it's a great strike, and I think it's one of those ones we've all had them where it's a really good strike. Take nothing away from it, but one of those ones where you know a ball goes in, you go, I'd like to have that one again. I, I'd like one more crack at that shot, and I think that's probably one of those. Oh, that happened to me last. That happened to me last week in a game, and four or uh, five times. Once. <laughs> once first half and the ball dipped and i i literally was going over and i'm like oh that go, that ball's going o- over and i'm moving my feet and i'm literally pushing off and i literally as i jump up to make the tip the ball moves and it goes across and into the goal and i was like oh if i just if i'd actually gone all the way through rather than just stopping and just being like oh, that's an easy touch uh over but it's, but you know if you were just better, you would have saved. Um, it. If I was better, I would have saved that. Speaking of guys yeah, who are good and really in form right now, Ter Stegen is playing lights out right now for Barcelona. That whole team is insane. I mean, they're not even yeah. they haven't lost a game. It's insane. But uh, yesterday, the recovery save was remarkable mm-hmm. because first off, got caught on the bad distribution, the bad bad pass back. Got caught big time though. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Really, really bad play. But. Unlike a lot of keepers who panic in that situation when they get give a bad par, they just go, oh, man, oh, sorry, my bad. Uh, he stayed focused and started dropping back into his position to be ready to be ready for the second ball. And uh, was as that ball was played, was still able to, I mean, it, it's if you watch it again and again and again, it's really, really incredible. 
how he's able to make that, how he's able to get in position, be ready as that ball's dropped across, still be able to make that save across the plane of his body uh, was pretty big time. So what I want to know from you guys is Neuer still Does isn't playing. Does Ter Stegen start as the number one in, 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 uh, in Russia? Rolls go first. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I'd say, yeah, give him a go. Uh, like you said, Neuer's still not healthy. He's not back yet. And especially for Germany, this is a big, it's a big tournament. Yeah. It's the World Cup. Yeah. So, I mean, you need to really have your your front foot forward. Um, obviously, you bring Neuer. Like, he's he's on the bench somewhere. But, like, cause, because he's got that leadership, he's got that kind of, that veteran vibe to him. So, he's definitely going to be there. But I, I personally, I think, yeah, you got to, you go with Ter Stegen. He's very athletic. He's very... He's very Neuer-esque. Um, Neuer's a little bit more of a sweeper-keeper, but, I mean, definitely Ter Stegen is Ter Stegen's a full package, I think. Trev? It's such a tough call. I, I think Ter Stegen's done very well. Uh, I think it's also, if, if he doesn't start, it's a slap in the face to him um, because Neuer has been injured. He has been out. He's going to come back. And I, don't, I mean, I don't think he has time to hit 95%. Uh, you know, informed by the time the, the first kickoff goes. With that being said, if he gets fit enough, is he the king of goalkeeping where he can step in and have a spot? I mean, I think the real thing is that's going to be a tough choice. And I'm glad I don't have to make it because that's <laughs> a very, because you're going to alienate one of them quite largely. And yeah. you're going to alienate the fan base around him because there's going to be lots of people who I'm sure in the locker room want to see again. There's going to be a bunch of guys who want to see Neuer pop back in. It's going to be. It's one of those ones on, on Germany's first game. It's going to be very interesting to see the lineup of, of who's uh, who's in the pipes. I think it should be whomever decides to uh, go with Aviata as their new glove supplier. I think <laughs> that's who it should be. Do you want to give one of them $500,000 this year? Because I don't have that. <laughs> but you do have a great product for us this week, Trev, don't you? Oh, are we doing dirty plugs already? Of course. Oh, my God. So, Raul, this is where I plug some new glove or jersey that came out. It's so shameless and wonderful all at the same time. Fantastic. So this, and this it's so blatant, too. Out, <laughs> this week we just brought out the Viper Deluxe V7. It is stunning, smashing. Same price as last year, fifty nine nine, with an even better aqua palm on it. It looks great. It feels incredible. And for 60 bucks, it's as good as you find. And if you use our code, what's our code again, Mike? I think it's podcast18. Or inside the 18. Oh, I sure, whatever. I, I don't we'll remember. Give, <laughs> we'll give you 15% off, and Andre Rawls will come to your kid's birthday party. I do, you're going okay. to fly, fly him out to wherever, wherever <laughs> whoever buys this glove. The last part's not true. Okay. But the glove's amazing. <laughs> Check it out, www.obviousports.com. Uh, yeah, it's as good as it gets. That's awesome. Uh, so guys, uh, we're running out of time here. So, uh, before we go, uh, first we want to thank Andre Rawls for, for taking the time and the drive, speaking of El Trafico, to come <laughs> up from Irvine, uh, to be on the podcast. Uh, Andre, if anybody's got any questions or comments or they, they just want to just, uh, you know, have you come Follow to their kid's Instagram. birthday party, you know, where can they, where can they reach <laughs> out to you? Yeah. Uh, the birthday party, that might be a little bit of a stretch. If you're in the SoCal area, then maybe, I don't know. But um, no, I'm definitely I'm on all the social media. Uh, I'm mainly on Instagram and Twitter. Um, my Instagram's Andre M Ralsey. Twitter Andre Rawls fifteen. Uh, yeah, look me up if you guys want to reach out. By all means. Um, going a little bit rogue here. I I am also an Aviata goalkeeper. I love the gloves yeah, that are. we're wearing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I told Trev this earlier this week, but the carbon fibers that have come out those those have been my favorites so far. They're fresh, look so fresh, 
the palm's perfect. They're just, they just ooze confidence. So, I mean, if you're in for another set of gloves, I would say the Carbon Fibers, and my check, personal take. And check out the Carbon Fibers, guys. And, uh, Trev, if anybody wants to reach out to you, I take it it's uh, aviatasports.com, uh, at aviatasports for everything else. And uh, Podcast 18, uh, at is it, is it Podcast 18? I don't remember the email address. It is Podcast 18 and Inside the 18. We have both, bro. Oh, we have both. We're, we're, we're here for everyone. <laughs> okay. And if you want to reach out to me, uh, you can go to LA Goalkeepers Goal- at shortkeepers.com. It's lagoalkeepingacademy.com. LA Goalkeeping Academy at gmail.com at LA Goalkeeping Academy for all the social medias. And uh, I'm going to announce it right now on the, on the podcast before we go. Uh, the Total Soccer Show and the Cooligans presents the World Cup Comedy Tour along with myself. We'll be cut touring this summer and our first date will be uh, May 14th at the Kansas City Improv. So uh, check out that. That's going to be on Facebook and all the social medias and, and get your tickets now because they're going to be uh, wonderful. Awesome. Yep. I love it, guys. All right, guys. Well, thanks. Uh, that's all the time we got for Inside the 18 today, presented by Aviato Sports and the LA Goalkeeping Academy, and we are out. You've been listening to Inside the 18, presented by Aviato Sports and the LA Goalkeeping Academy. For more information on Inside the 18, check out www.aviatosports.com or www.lagoalkeepingacademy.com. <laughs>